Welcome, 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 welcome to the Barnabas Speaks Podcast. I am your host, Cloyd Brown. I'd like to welcome you to another week. I'm excited about this week's topic, and I hope that uh, you're as excited as I am. Um, a few things I would like to talk about this week. Uh, we're still going to be talking about different perspectives. We're still going to be talking uh, about encouragement and empowerment. Uh, that is what the Barnabas Podcast is all about. It's about encouragement, empowerment, and faith. And so I would like to get right into the topic this week, and it's the perspectives of justice. Perspectives of justice. Uh, we live in a time where everyone has an opinion. We live in a time where we have a social media age where everyone gets to really present their their thoughts, their opinions. And we the thing about it is we live in such a instantaneous society that as soon as something happens we get to go to our facebook we get to pick up our phones and we get to say exactly how we feel without any thought without any processing of how we truly feel of how how this would come across and that's where we live at we live in a an instantaneous society we live in some would say a microwave society and that's why i want to talk about perspectives of justice uh i know this is not does not seem like the topics that we would normally talk about doesn't seem like it's that encouraging, that empowering, or any of those things. But I feel that it, it is necessary to talk about these things because we live in real time. I always want this podcast to be a real-time podcast. That's what God called me to do is to encourage you, empower you, but also in that, also enlighten you. Uh, where should we stand as a faith body and and issues of justice. There's a few things that have gotten me to start thinking about this. Uh, we know that in our times we have a a very div- divisive energy right now within our country. The United States is where I'm speaking from, uh, but uh, I know that there's other countries that have very di- uh, di- this divisive nature. And the the challenge is that with that divisive nature, we often find ourselves at odds. We often find ourselves where we must decide what side of the aisle do we sit on. We live in a very political nature where we're either Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal. Uh, you're either black or you're white. We live in a very divisive society. And within that we find that there are different perspectives of justice for each, really, each uh, tribe or each section of society we fall in, whether we're rich or we're poor, or whether we're, we're black or we're white, or whether we're, uh, whether we're white collar or blue collar. There's so many de- divisive issues. There's so many things that separate us. And really, they're not so many things. It is really where we, wherever we sit at is where we find ourselves separating. And what I mean by wherever we sit at, wherever we find ourselves to be aligned with. If we align ourselves with the Republican Party, we may sit on one end and that's where we, we're divided. And if we, we align ourselves with the, the urban or inner city community, we may divide from the, 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 the rural or country uh, community and uh, if we live, if we if we live in a uh, society where, or not in a society, in a, a neighborhood where it would be deemed as lower middle class, we we seem to be on a different end of the the upper 
the high class or the, the high class or the, the wealthy class. And these are these divisions. And a lot of the times that these divisions are only, we only find these divisions because we lack perspective. We lack lack to be able to to empathize with somebody else's perspective and so we sit in these places of judgment we sit in this place where we feel that our position is right and that's all that it is and sometimes when our when we can only see our position we can only see things from our perspective we find ourselves in a place where we are unapproachable and we're unchanging and then we're not able to have a conversation and I think about the old adage that the, uh, the person is smart, but the group of people is, is dumb. They're ignorant because for some reason, when we get in a group of like-minded people, oftentimes we don't move the, the, the agenda forward beyond what we see as an urgent topic to speak about. Uh, I've been taking notes on this topic throughout this week and just really thinking about it. And so something that happened was... I was thinking about the young man that was in Dallas that was in his apartment and uh, he was shot uh, because the police officer uh, allegedly accidentally shot him for going into his apartment because she thought uh, allegedly that that was her apartment. And it scares me because once again, we find a topic that we're divided on and at this point I'm not even sure if it's a black and white issue because it seems as if that I've I have a very melting pot of friends, white, black, Republican, Democrat, uh, upper middle class, lower middle class, uh, urban uh, upbringing versus a rural upbringing. And so I really do have a melting pot of friends. And But it seems that even within my melting pot of friends, everyone is at the same viewpoint. How can you feel safe in your own house when somebody can come in and shoot you? And so... But when we get to these situations where it's a shooting or a police shooting or it's a, a terrorist attack or any of those things, or whether it's uh, Serena Williams' response inside of the, uh, inside of the uh, U.S. Open, or actually the woman's, and I'm not sure which one it is, uh, all these different things, and, or the French Open maybe, um, don't hold me to any of those, I'm, I got to look it up and see what it exactly it was, but... Oftentimes, when we get into these situations and we find ourselves uh, with these hot button topics or yeah, hot button topics, then we find that we are separated, we are divided, and we are at each other's throat. And the reality is that I believe that catalyst for this this is this attitude is. Social media. Uh, that is what I think a lot of the the challenges the challenge starts off is, is that it is uh, it that was the U.S. Open by the way. Uh, but the challenge is, is that social media because we get to get on our social media platforms and we get to spit spew everything that we say, everything that we think, without regards to how it affects our fellow person. Without regards to how our fellow man, our fellow our fellow woman would actually view it. How, how would they take it? How would they accept it? We just jump out on that ledge, not worried about how it would affect anybody that's in our lives, anyone that's in our 
and our circle of friends and our network of friends, and it becomes a challenge. And so I've been thinking about this this justice, and I had a few notes, and I. This is the thought that I had. Often we see every situation from our perspective and we can only perceive it in one particular way. While that is not always a bad thing, it can lead to distorted views of the perception. We live in a world where we believe that we perceive, we live in a world where we believe what we perceive as being the only way to things can be. Let me give an example. Often the challenge between conservatives and liberals, or let's be more specific, majority majority citizens, United States, the majority citizens of the United States versus the minority citizens of the United States is the perception and perspective of the police. Many people cannot understand why black people have a challenge with police officers. Well, the truth of the matter is that from both the historical and experiential lens of the black community, the police department has not been one of harmony. The relationship with the police department has not been one of harmony. And that that is what has been passed down, not not the helping hand version, but the 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 discord that happened between police and the black community. When the police came into neighborhoods, it wasn't to bring peace or form relationships. It was often to break up families, harass businesses, and torment the residents. And quite often the white communities did not share this experience. The thing about it is that a lot of things that in, inform our per, our perceptions and our perspectives is our experience. One of the things I said is that that the that the historical and experiential lens of the black community when it comes to police officers has not they do not have a relationship of harmony with the police officers. And so if this is passed down, then if my understanding that my my father, um, I am 35 years old. My dad is 60. Uh, my dad is 65. And so in his lifetime, he had went to segregated schools. And then you think about my parents, my uh, my 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 grandparents, rather my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, I want to say is 83 years old. Uh, and so she was around for the, 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 the riots and the civil rights riots and all these different things and uh, why on, the, the, the segregated bathrooms and segregated schools and segregated towns and segregated neighborhoods where when police came into those neighborhoods, they weren't, often it was not to help. And often when they did need help, the police were nowhere to be found. So if you think about that from that perspective, if that if my maternal grandmother passed down to my mother and my dad, uh, who experienced uh, preju- uh, prejudices, racial prejudices, and segregated schools, uh, and he had issues with the police coming to his neighborhood and to break up families but never to help, then that gets passed down to me. And so, yes, I have the ability to to judge police from their, their own merit, but understand that in the back of my mind, my upbringing, my experience lets me know that even if I there are good cops, I must be it. My experience and my historical education that was passed down from my ancestors, my 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 forefathers, if you will, tells me to be skeptical of police officers. And that is no. And the reality is that wisdom would tell you that if you have if you've had issues, uh, then you should have a 
a certain level of skeptic skepticism rather about something that you've experienced. It would be it would be ignorant to not be skeptical at, at some level if all you ever had was conflict with the with the uh, police officers rather than harmony. But if someone who has not had that experience, that is, whose ancestors did not have that experience, whose fathers and grandparents and great-grandparents did not pass that experience down, then their perspective is different when it comes to police. If the police have always come to come to come help and they didn't come to break up families, but to keep families together, to, to bring, when they came, they brought peace and not violence, then their perspective of police officers, as it pass, passes down from generation to generation, is a completely different viewpoint. And so where, where the division happens is that we do not take into consideration that this person has a different viewpoint from me. This person has a different life experience than me. And because they have a different life experience than me, they may not be able to see what I see or how I view things. Now, I have met very many good police officers, both black and white, Hispanics, uh, uh, Asian. I've had, uh, friends that were police officers and uh I have friends that are police officers and they're very good at their job and so that has helped me in my my viewpoint but at the same time I cannot forget uh when I was driving in a small I was driving a 1990 1990 blue Mazda Protege and this is the year 2002 so I'm driving an 11 year old car uh, and it was blue. It was uh, it was it was a a basic hey point A to point B car, and I'm driving with my my I'm driving from my hometown back to college. So I was I was coming from Brunswick, Georgia, driving towards Fort Valley, Georgia. In between these two points is a uh, is a county called Jefferson Davis County. If you're not familiar with Jefferson Davis. Who Jefferson Davis is? Jefferson Davis was the pre president of the Confederate uh, Confederate States, if you will. Uh, and so, as I'm driving through there, I get pulled over. Was not speeding. I just get pulled over. Get pulled over by a uh, an officer of the law, and he asked me questions. And then he asked me, under he asked me, had I do I have drugs in the car? Now, understanding that I have never dealt drugs, I was not driving a stereotypical drug dealer car, uh, none of those things, uh, but I, my car does not smell like drugs, my car does not smell like uh, alcohol, any of those things, but for some reason, I became a target to this officer's uh, questions, and he began to ask me these questions and began to say... Uh, to question my integrity and I told him no and he said are you sure I said no uh, I said sir I am positive that, that I have not no drugs in the car you there's no evidence of drugs in this car any of those things uh, and so he said well if I bring the police dog will he find something no he would not bring no you he would not find anything and so this went on for at least 10 minutes uh, where he's asking me we're going back and forth I leave and then so he says that right now we couldn't get the police dog there, so I was free to go. So this is my experience with the police. Uh, I didn't get a ticket that day, didn't get a warning, didn't get any of those things. I was not speeding. I was not swerving, anything like that. 
he pulled me over, and uh, that is what happened that day. Uh, that was a a different experience for me. It was a challenging experience for me uh, because I I didn't do any of the things that he was accusing me of, and I have to wonder why. If you don't get put over for a ticket, uh, I, I didn't get a ticket. I wasn't speeding. And don't get me wrong, I have been known to speed. Uh, in fact, uh, generally when I get pulled over and, I, and I was in, I've been speeding, I or I see the lights come out, I get over immediately. I don't try to, to hide or fight it because I was speeding. And so this is my experience. And to the point to where it changed my viewpoint, not of cops, but I told myself that I would always take a different way than Jefferson Davis County. If I could avoid going through Jefferson Davis County, I would not go through it. So if, even if the, the, cause the way that I was going was the quickest route, but I said I would never take that route again uh, because I did not want to experience that again. It was my first time. This is, this is, imagine this. this is, um, I got my light. I received my license in 90. See, I, grad, I was 16 in 2000. I was 16 in 99. Uh, yeah, 16 in 99. So I, I got my license in 1999. Haven't been driving that long. So this is 2002. I'm driving an 11-year-old car. And it's, I'm thinking there's no way that he thought I was a drug dealer. But that's not what I was trying. the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is I haven't been driving that long. And this is really my experience, my first experience with being pulled over by a police officer. And uh, it was a different experience. And so now I must take, I take that experience and now I, I judge it. Or I pass it on. I tell my wife and I about it. And I tell my son about it. And we, we continue going on about this. And this is my experience. But if you have never experienced anything like that, it's hard for you to see things from my perspective. It's hard for you to see things from that my lens. And it's going to be a struggle for you to understand that. But this is the problem with the perspective. This is where I say my the perspectives of judge, uh, of not judgment, but of justice is that often we find that we must feel like we need to take a side. Uh, we take a side on, we always feel like we have to take a side, that we have to have an opinion. And the reality is that it's okay not to have an opinion if you don't have an experience or you don't have, you don't have a, a full perspective or perception of what is happening. Uh, it's it's difficult for me. It's difficult for me to as a as a black man uh, who is an athlete who has uh, served his country to see young black men uh, be shot by the police officers. And I'm aware of the statistics of what uh, what is quote unquote black on black crime. But we also understand that black on black crime is a myth. Is that it's not it's not real. It's crime amongst blacks does happen but the fact is that anyone will tell you whether it's a police officer the fbi or cia or any any law enforcement agency would tell you that most crimes are crimes of of convenience crimes of locality so if you live in a black neighborhood most likely the crimes that you commit are going to happen within that black neighborhood which would be black people committing uh, crimes on other black people now the same thing if you live in a uh, if you are a criminal and you live in, the, in suburbia and you live in a 
in an area where it's majority white people, most likely your crimes are going to be committed against other white people. Uh, because it's a crime of convenience, it's a crime of, of geography, uh, crime of geographical convenience. It's just what it is. Even when it comes, if you think about any any type of crime, whether it's rape, uh, most people most people are not raped by sex strangers. They're raped by somebody they know. Uh, and so it's all those things and you got to realize. And so to say that, OK, to bring up statistics of black on black crime and or the statistics of, of Chicago and not. And so that is generally used to to disparage the argument about uh, police shootings or the relationship that police have with the uh, black community. And the challenge with this is it's not it is not it is not it is not. That we're saying that, hey, the crime that this black person did, it should not be punished. But reality, the other side of it is that to be able to shoot someone in broad daylight or to shoot somebody and to take their life, it's not, while we're saying that it's self-defense, it is not justice. It is not justice. Justice is blind. Justice is, is, is fair. It should be fair. Uh... Justice should also also uh, fall within the realm of the law of proportionality. With that, with the law of proportionality, I can't speak tonight. Says is that your response should be proportionate to what was given towards you. So basically, if someone was to punch you. You should not turn around and stab them. You should punch them back, and that's just a regular. That's an example, and that is something that I, I, that we find in. Uh, we find we learn this in in the military as we learn uh, rules of engagement and uh, articles of war, and the reality is is that when it ha- when crime happens amongst black people when crime happens amongst white people not including law enforcement most likely the person that committed the crime is tried and sent to jail the problem that most that a lot of uh people have uh, with the police shootings is that there is no justice because often they're not even tried or charged let us continue. Let's continue in this thought. They're not tried or charged, and so they feel like that justice is not seen. And as long as we get on our social media sites and we begin to 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 spew our opinions without even thinking, hey, let me take a bird's eye view of this. Let me look down on these situations, not just from my perspective, but let me see the totality of what is going on. Let me see it from, hey, this community's perspective, and let me see it from the police's perspective, and let me see it from this other community's perspective. If, if we will begin to, 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 to look at things from other people's perspectives and that we begin to, to look at things and 
from in other lenses, we may then be able to live in a society where justice can truly be served because we have a different perception of justice. We have a just perception of justice. We have a just perception of justice. What does that mean? It means that we are not only looking from the lens of our of, of our own experience, but we we are now taking a bird's eye view. We're actually putting a blindfold on as as justice should be, and saying these are the these are the this is the crime. Now let's look at all the the the. the the, the information, all the scenarios, everything that is coming in, all the experience that is coming in in this scenario, and let's see where the chips may lie. Let us not begin to jump on this one conclusion before, because we feel like I'm a Democrat. I have to be on the side of the of the uh, of the of the person that was shot, or the person that 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 seems to be a minority, or I'm a Republican, so I need to be on the side of the police officers, or I need to be the side of the side of the gov of not the government, but of 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 of, of conservative Republican thought. Let us now approach things. If we're going to say that we're Christian, or we're going to say that we're that we're of Christ, or we're going to say that we're trying to live just then we must then begin to look at things not from the, the, the safety of, our, of our, our tribes or from the safety of, of our own our specific life viewpoint, but we must begin to say, God, how do you view it? I told you from the beginning of this podcast that I am a faith man and I'm always going to intertwine faith and scripture into these these, these podcasts. And what I'm here to say is that most of the time, the viewpoints we take, we do not even consult God to see how he feels about it. I would like to say that again. Most of the standpoints we take, we do not even consult God to see how he feels about it. Many times, many, many, many times, our viewpoint comes from the safety and from the, the, the consultation of our of our tribes of our republican or democratic or political party or from whether we're black or we're white or we're hispanic or we're asian or we're whatever those things it comes from the safety of our tax bracket it comes from the safety and comfort of our neighborhoods and where we live and we don't ever take the perspective that say that we are of christ what does christ say about this what would Christ, God, how do you feel about this? What is my position? How would you want me to approach it? Should I get on social media? Should I speak out or should I be quiet? When's the last time you took this, these, these unjust things that are happening in our society and say, God, what is your viewpoint on it? But no, what we do is we get on our social media sites and we begin to type, 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 type. And then we begin to say what we, what we, what we feel or what we feel like we should say. Or the reverse is that even when we know that the situation requires our voice, we don't say anything. We sit silently because the person that committed the, 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 the crime or the person that committed the offense is in our is not, not is in our political party or is in our uh in our or from our neighborhood or they they're on our favorite sports team and the reality is that that is not who Christ called us to be that, that Christ has said that we should live by faith and who lives by faith the just shall live by faith how can you say that you're a faith person but you don't believe in justice 
How can you say that you are a faith person, but you don't consult Christ? How can you say that you are a Christian, which means that you are of Christ, but you don't even consult Christ in these times of, of turmoil and say, God, how do you feel about this? What should be my position? When's the last time you said, God, I want your mind and I want to approach this from your mind and not my mind? Beloved, these are the questions, the thoughts, the things that we begin to ask as Christians. We should be trying to live as Christ and we should not be so caught up in where, where we sit on 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 on. on, on on, on Monday through Friday, we should be more concerned about trying to be Christian on more days than Sunday and say, I want to, I want to live in a just way so that when people live, see me living justly, they will see me living faithfully, that they see my faith through my, my administration of justice, through my, 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 my support of justice. Our perception of justice is off because we're not viewing it through the lens of Christ. We're viewing it through the lens of our own personal experiences. When's the last time you've asked Christ? And the challenge becomes that often we, when we do pick up Christ, we hide behind Christ. And we use Christ as, an, as a reason why we don't speak up for justice. We use Christ as a reason why we don't speak up for justice. And I was doing some studying and doing some sermon prepping it. And I began to think about the woman that was caught in adultery. I began to think about her because I I, I see these, these men and they bring this woman caught in adultery to Christ. They bring her to Christ and... They say, Jesus, this woman has been caught in adultery. She's been caught in the very act. And we believe that according to the law, that she should be stoned. And it's going to be in John chapter 7, verse 53, through John chapter 8, verse 11. And this is John chapter 7, verse 53, starting 53rd verse, reading all the way through John chapter 8 to the 11th verse. And they say to Jesus that according to the law, this woman must be stoned. And he... They ask him, this is what the law says, but what say you? Jesus doesn't say anything. It says that he begins to draw on the sand and dirt. And then when he does say something, it sounds nothing like we probably would have said. Because the first thing we said is that she broke the law. But he says this, and it changes the scope of what justice looks like. He said... Let he who was without sin cast the first stone. Wait a minute. I thought you came to fulfill the law, Jesus. He said, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. And I begin to talk to God and pray to God and ask him, what was this all about? Why did he just, why did he take this stance in 
He said that what people don't realize about justice is that it is blind. Uh, we, we, we have the statue of, the, of justice. She has a blindfold on and she's just carrying the scales. But justice is blind. And what it, what, what God, what he, when he said that, he said, what he was saying is that I can't, I cannot judge her guilty without looking at their sins too. So what I decided to do is that I wanted to be just. I wanted to be fair. So what I decided to do is that I would rather have mercy on her so I could have mercy on everyone that was around me. So that way, if I sat on the judgment seat, I have to judge all who was before me. But if I sit on the mercy seat, I have to give mercy to all who was around me. So I chose to be just and give mercy to all the people around me. Beloved, the reality is that what we end up doing in our in our, our perceptions of justice is that we give mercy to the people that are that we care about, and we give and we judge and we give stones to the people that we that we disagree with. So, Republican, we give excuse after excuse for the Republican our Republican uh, representatives, our senators, our our uh, candidates. But when it comes to the Democrat, what we say is that that oh no, they did it wrong. They should not do this, this, this and that. When it comes and, and it's vice versa, the Democrats do the same thing. When it comes to their candidate, when it comes to their to their uh their their, their their senators and their congressmen and their representatives, they will excuse all types of behavior. But when it comes to the Republican Party and candidates, they want to throw the stone. The reality is that if we if we're going to be like Christ, we must be just. We're gonna we must now hand out mercy indiscriminately. It doesn't matter who you are. I wanna be, I wanna be just. Our perception of justice is off because we play favorites within our own tribes. We play favorites. So if this person, so you can have somebody in your tribe and to your, your group of friends that you know cheats on their wife, that knows that they cheat on their taxes, does that smokes that smokes weed and does drugs, and we'll excuse it. But as soon as we find someone else that is not in our circle, that is not in our group of friends, that is not in our, our political party, we cast stone, we throw stones at them and said, no, I can't believe that they would do this. I can't believe that they would cheat on their husband. I can't believe that they would cheat on their wife. But when it comes to our own friends, we, we cover for them, we pray for them, but we don't pray for the people that we know that, that we know that are doing it that's not out, that is outside of our group of friends and that is not justice let me calm down some that's not justice that's not how justice works i'm using this example because i don't i think that we 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 compartmentalize christ too much yeah we compartmentalize christ too much and and what i mean by compartmentalize is that we believe that we should have a christian a forgiving Christian heart for some things, but not all things. We believe that we should have a forgiving Christian heart when it comes to the the the, the crimes of certain politicians. But we don't believe that we should have a forgiving Christian heart when it comes to the crimes of terrorists. I know that's a touch, touchy subject, but I, I think I'm qualified. I'm, I'm a 10-year Air Force veteran. I think I can speak on this. We will not forgive terrorists, but we want forgiveness for our friends and our family and our misfall, our, our faults. But we pray this prayer and it says, 
Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those trespasses against us. We think that it means at the same time that we're forgiven, please forgive us. No, that's not what it means. It means that forgive us in the same manner that we show forgiveness. What would God say? This is justice. What would God say? How would God judge you? If he used your measuring stick, your perspective of judgment on you, how would, I mean, how, how would he do that? Mercy is fair. Grace is fair. And what I mean by that is mercy is just. It does not get to pick and choose who is merciful to. Judgment is just. It does not get to pick and choose who, who, who gets sentenced and who doesn't. Our perception of justice is skewed because we're so caught up in our tribes. We're so caught up in our, our small groups and our group of friends that we never take the perspective or we never take the time to say, God, what is your perspective on this? God, help me to shake my experience so that way I can understand someone else's experience of perception. That I don't have to target, I don't have to label this person as anything. That I can understand that just like I have life experiences, this person has life experiences. And their life experience is not the same as mine. This is not the, the encourage yourself message that you're used to from the Barnabas Speaks podcast, but it's still necessary. Every, every few months, every few weeks, we have something that we are passionate about that comes across the, the desk or the the feed of the, the media. And often we let the media tell us how we should care and how we should viewpoint. If we're watching CNN, we have this viewpoint. We're watching Fox News, we have a different viewpoint. But the reality is, is that none of those people, none of these organizations should be able to have more influence on your perspective than Christ does. If we're going to be Christians, let us be Christians. Let us concern ourselves with those that are, that are struggling, that need justice, but are not getting justice. Let us concern ourselves with those that need mercy, but are not getting mercy. Mercy is not a, a gift for the rich. Punishment is not something that's reserved for the poor. The reality is that we have more in common than we have that divides us. But because we're in our groups and because we're in our, the safety zone of our own perceptions, we can't hear what we agree in and what we have in common because what we disagree 
It just happens to be louder. It is not greater, it's just louder. The reality of it is, is that as long as we live in our corners and our boxes and our tribes and our safety zones without ever thinking that there's more to life than just me. We won't grow as a nation. We won't grow as a people. We won't grow as a, as a community. If you talk to the average person, I'm a man, so you talk to the average man with a, a wife and a, a child, they will tell you that their hope is that their, their child grows up healthy, that they're able to provide for their child, that they don't want to send their child out in the world where they have to worry about all of, about them all the time. And whether you're black, white, Indian, Asian, Hispanic, Republican, Democrat, whether you're really wealthy or really poor, those are the same, everyone has those same concerns. If you ask anybody, any woman, whether she has a short skirt on, a long skirt on, whether you see all her skin or none of her skin, their hope is that they could go outside the house and not be raped. And it won't matter, it, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what it is, whether what they have on. Their hope is that they can be home and be safe in their own country, in their own neighborhoods, in their own schools, in their own environments. That is what you would hear from them. If you were to speak to any set of parents, they just want safety and the best for their child. These are the things that we have in common. If you ask any man, any woman... They just want to be safe in their own home. They would not, they would prefer not that someone comes in their house and shoots them. Whether it's by accident or on purpose, they want safety. If you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, these, these are things that every person needs. But for some reason, when these situations happen on national platforms and national TV and things of that nature, we don't we we don't look at it from that lens of that these are normal things that every person wants and every person deserves to be fairly treated, to be safe. We don't look at it from that lens. We look at it through the lens of our tribes, the lens of our only our own personal experience. Not understanding that we all want the same thing. We have more in common than we have that separates us. And my challenge for you, beloved, is to change your perspective of justice that allows you to that will allow you to get out of just seeing things merely just from your own perspective. And ask Christ, God, 
my Lord and Savior, how would you have me view this? How would you have me approach this? We must change our perspective, beloved. God bless you. God love you. And I hope this was encouraging to you as it was encouraging to me. Change your perspective of justice, beloved. Hello, family. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Barnabas Speaks podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Brown. And I want to thank you for listening. As always, I want to open up the opportunity for you to send me a prayer request, send uh, questions about uh, how to build your relationship with Christ, or if you are looking to begin a relationship with Christ, you are looking to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can reach me on any of my social media platforms. Facebook is my name, Chloe Stephon Brown. My Instagram is at Cloyd Brown. My Twitter is at Gentleman Cloyd. Additionally, you can also email me at Cloyd.Brown at ROCRDU.com. Once again, that name is Cloyd.Brown at ROCRDU.com. If you have any, any questions about the podcast, if you would like to reach out to me to come speak, uh, or you want to have me to do something with your youth group or any of those things, Feel free to reach me at any of those uh, those platforms, whether it is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or my email, which is cloyd.brown at rlcrdu.com. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for your continued and faithful listening. And remember, never let your independence rob you from your dependence on God. God bless you and God love you.